Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. This is Peter Karutz, your host of the day, and we're here live in studio at St. Joseph Radio Presents Coming from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West, we are with Father John Paul Hopping, uh, one of our own St. Louis priests, at, and he's at St. Charles Borromeo right now. But you're not from St. Louis, are you, Father? No, originally from uh, Santa Barbara, California. Holy smokes. And today we're going to be talking about something really good, really fun. It's called fasting. <laughs> and, and once we're done with our fast, time permitting, we're going to talk a little bit about Fatima and Islam. So you kind of got a, a you have a a double header here, double header. Time permitting. Time permitting. So we better get going now, Father. One of the things I often uh, get fired for is I don't follow the rules, and one of the rules is that whoever's wearing the collar has to say the opening prayer. So could I op- off, uh, can I invite you to say an opening prayer for us? Absolutely. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on us this day. There we are. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, you know how we are. We're your servants. We're stumbling along. We're trying to uh, serve you and get to know you better. Uh, Lord, bless us during this uh, hour that we are coming closer to you through one of the Lenten practices of uh, fasting so that we can please you in all the things that we do and supercharge our prayer life. Jesus, your will be done. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So it is Lent, and Lent we're supposed to fast, pray, and give alms. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that uh, we maybe don't do enough uh, is fast. But fasting isn't confined to Lent, but it is encouraged during Lent. And I know we have a couple of days where we're obligated to do so, and that's what, Ash Wednesday and... Good Friday. Fall- but don't we have to fast on the other Fridays, Father? 
No. Really? Should we fast? Oh. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why is fasting good for us? Well, just to go through it, just to, for some people, this is sort of brand new, but it's Jesus fasted in the Bible, yeah. in the Gospels. And when he started off his career in Matthew 4, he was 40 days and nights of fasting. And I thought, huh, so this is the Son of God, and he's starting his public life, and he fasts for 40 days. So this should be a signal, this is important stuff. And then he tells us to fast in chapter 6. Okay. If you like fasting, hold up your hands. <laughs> I don't know if you can see. There aren't a whole lot of hands going up out there. Nobody likes to fast. No. Well, what occurred to me, well, I just go into it as a story. There's a family I was close to, but there were some difficulties in the background. And so anyway, the, the mother and father never got married to each other. And uh, in fact, the father had been married twice before mm. in another country. But the wife said, well, I really want to receive Holy Communion. And so, you know, Father, you've got to do something. Yeah. So I brought up my notes from canon law in the seminary. And I thought, okay, we've got to do an annulment or something here. And I worked through the diagram. Aha. If the husband would become Catholic, it's just a minimal amount of papers. Right. I thought, ah, that would be the trick. So I approached him. And he said, no, 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 I don't believe in God. Well, that's a stumbling block. We, we kind of, that's one of the requirements, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is going to be a project. Yeah. And I knew enough not to antagonize him. Yeah. So I thought, okay, now I've got to just pray for him. But wait, 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 wait. What we really need is a miracle. We need a miracle of conversion. So I was just thinking about this, about like a layperson would or a working person. Yeah. How do you get a miracle? Well, the saints have worked a lot of miracles. What do they have in common? Where we know about their lives, they fasted. Mm -hmm. Certainly they prayed, but they fasted too. Oh, yeah. Isn't there that verse? I can't remember which gospel it's in, but the... Uh, Demons. The, 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 yeah, the apostles, yeah. two of the disciples brought women possessed by demons or something. Right. Jesus took care of it real fast. And he said, Master, why couldn't we do it? Uh -huh. And he said, ah, this kind requires prayer and fasting. fasting. Yeah. Okay, we're not talking about demons, but it's clear that for the real big stuff, you got to fast. Yeah. Okay, but I don't like fasting. So what are we going to do? Well, this really happened. Uh, someone gave me a piece of apple pie, homemade. You can see the, the uh, thumbprints on the, the rim of the crust. And it's a real thick pie. You can see the beautiful slices of the apple. And on the crust on top, there was cinnamon and sugar that had been melted. And it smelled so good. Now, remember, I'm a priest, and it doesn't take much to get me excited. <laughs> so I'm thinking about this piece of pie all day. I'm really looking forward yeah. to it. I finish dinner, and I open up the refrigerator, and it's on the shelf. It's roughly at nose level. I'm looking at that piece uh, of pie, and I thought, this is going to taste so good. The question was whether they heat it up or not. And then it seemed, it was like someone put their hand on my shoulder. They said, don't. Don't eat it. I thought, what do you mean, don't eat it? It's not Lent. I didn't give this up. They gave it to me. I've been thinking about this. So I want this pie. I said, don't eat it. 
fine. Why not? And then I had an image in my mind of a particular woman in the parish. I could see her in the pew. Oh, I know she's been going through some real hard things. So I just concluded that the Lord wanted me to sacrifice for her. Right. So that was the situation, but I'm just admitting human weakness. I still wanted that pie. Of course you did. And it's actually starting to get tears in my eyes. I really want this pie. (laughs) Don't eat it. So all right, I won't eat it, but the tears are there. And then the hand was on the shoulder again. It said, calm down, calm down. You can have the pie tomorrow, but not today. Just for today, just for one day, sacrifice. So, okay, okay, I can do that. So it hit me, we could do a lot of sacrifice, I think a lot of us, if we're thinking in terms of just one day. There you go. Or even one meal. Yeah. We've always been brought up on Lent, and you gave up beer, or you gave up sugar or something for the whole time period, and it, it just seems dreadful. Thought, no, all right, just a little something. For most of us, if we could just get started doing something. My younger daughter finally came to the realization, she's 21 now, she said, I cannot give up anything for 40 days. So, and she's just being real with herself, mm-hmm. right? Because she, you know, she used to give up candy, and then by the by, you know, Friday, the first Friday, there she'd just be down to red skittles, and and <laughs> but what she did is she created a jar, and she put various things to fast from, and she said, "I can do anything for a day," and every day she took out one. That's the thinking. All right, so true story. Then there's another family, and I helped them a lot is kind of a long story they're from Vietnam and so forth but the the mother said well I really want to receive holy communion but she knew and I knew we both knew that she wasn't married to the man she was with so I looked on my papers but how to get this guy how to get him and it was if he would become catholic he'd been married twice before by the way so a lot mm, of paperwork yeah. If you become Catholic, minimal amount of papers. Like, this is the key. This right. is the key. So I approached him. He said, almost proudly, I am an atheist. Oh, boy. I don't believe in God. I'm not interested in, well, just come and have a look at our class, and we present this sort of thing we call RCIA. Just have, no, 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 I don't believe in God. I won't do it. Oh, okay. I won't antagonize him. So I decided... I can't explain it. It was arbitrary. I just said, I will not eat meat or any meat substitute on Wednesdays for this man. And I figure he's a tough cookie. This is going to take a while. So I'm going to do this until he becomes Catholic or I die, whichever comes first. (laughs) Because this may take 10, 20, 30 years. You know what happened? No. 13 months. (gasps) Wow. I went over to the house. Little kids came up. Father John Paul, Father John Paul, Daddy joined RCIA. Uh, well, praise God. That's wonderful. So we became Catholic, and we took care of the marriage situation. Actually, God took care of the marriage situation. I didn't even have to do it. Sure. And then right after that, another mother came to me and said, well, I'd just like us to be more united as a family. Her husband was a wonderful man, really good, faith-filled Christian. And she said, well, I want us to receive Holy Communion together. Oh, okay, same as the last time. I didn't tell him anything. I just started, continued the Wednesday fast. No meat or any meat substitutes. In fact, by the way, I like fish. So if I ate fish, it's no substitute. 
It's a treat. It, it, yeah, it's, it's no sacrifice. The idea is a sacrifice. Right. So um, no meat, no fish. A lot of times it's beans and rice. Or I got some type of pasta that, that yeah. I eat. But um, seven months, he joined RCIA. And with this guy, I did go back to him, and I said, remember I asked you about becoming Catholic? Uh-huh. I said, and I asked you about joining RCIA, the, the come and see course that, to learn what the Catholic Church teaches? Uh-huh. I said, well, now you're in it. What changed? I was just interested in how he experienced this. Right, yeah. I didn't tell him I was fast. Sure, sure. What changed? And he got a funny look on his face, and he said, I don't know. He says, it's hard to explain. It just seemed like it would be a really good idea to join RCIA. So he came on in. The third story is still going on. Hmm. My sister told me that a childhood friend from where we used to live, uh, this, this family was very, very Catholic. They all went to Catholic schools and all the way through high school and the whole bit. And uh, so my sister said, well, so-and-so won't go to Mass anymore. Ooh, not good. Uh, Catholics know. I mean, that's number three on the Ten Commandments. I mean, yeah. murder's number five. Number three is go to church. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, if everyone goes to church, there won't be murders. Um, that's a strategy. So I thought, this is terrible. Uh, she'd have no excuse. She goes before Jesus, and he said, why won't you go to church? Just, ooh, well... We're going on, I'm not sure, four or five years now. So I continue on, on Wednesdays and fast for that person. My, uh, my heroine on this is St. Monica mm -hmm. and St. Augustine, her, yeah. her rotten son, right. Augustine, is a college brat. Yeah. How long did she pray? 17 years. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't think it says fasting, but especially in those days, that was kind of always in right. the background. Right. I'm pretty sure she fasted and prayed. She got him. Yeah. After 17 years, yeah. which is wonderful. But did you hear about the husband? No. I never, I never even think of Monica's husband, St. Monica's husband. Well, her husband got himself baptized just a week or two before he died. Wow. So she's very concerned about his soul. But for you and I, well, how long did she pray and I think fast for him? So it's 31 years. Wow. Wow. In God's so, good time, I guess. So that was a lesson. Yeah. Okay, we have to persevere. We can't put a time limit <clears> on this thing. In fact, what it really is, am I willing to sacrifice for love of the other person? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Will I do it? In fact, the whole, all salvation history is all about Jesus' love for us and finally, you know, exhibited on the cross. And so we get to participate in that a little bit when, when we fast. So that'd be my, yeah. I guess... And, and Paul tells us to pray always, and when I'm fasting, one of the benefits, I guess, <laughs> uh -huh. is that uh, periodically I feel hungry. I feel hungry now. I'm fasting. Uh -huh. uh, uh, and if I'm, if I'm hungry, it, what comes to mind? Why I'm hungry? I'm hungry for a purpose. Yes. I'm being purposeful. I'm making my day a prayer. And if I think about being hungry in the morning, I'm... I'm praying. If I'm thinking about being hungry in the evening, I'm praying. So part of the fasting keeps us focused on our, uh, our, our prayer life. And, and, and we know, John Paul wrote a great encyclical, that suffering is efficacious. So we are directing that fast to a good purpose. Was it uh, 
Archbishop Fulton Sheen that said the, there's a great amount of, he was passing a hospital, he says there's, that is the greatest amount of, I, I'm, I'm going to mess it up, uh, wasted suffering. Ah, yeah. if it's not done for love of God. If it's not done for love yeah. of God. And this is done for love of God. We are here on, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we're with Father John Paul Hopping, and we're talking about some great thing called fasting. Fasting. Fasting, yes. Well, so as I was saying, I don't like fasting, but by golly, I like bringing people to Christ. Yeah. And it's harder than it sounds, it's harder than it looks. And the fasting seems to be a real useful addition. Uh, by sort of a caution, I'll run across all kinds of people and they'll say, well, yeah, we should give something up and so forth. So I, uh, I gave up. Um, Watching a television program that no 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 fasting means food and the stomach yeah right next question why I don't really know I can speculate but it doesn't really matter the point is the fasting works Jesus did it right if it's good enough for Jesus it's good enough for you and it's good enough for me right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know and you talk about miracles I, I have a good friend who's a priest and he was. Um, he, he had this uh, a young man he was counseling, and uh, he, he had made mistakes, you know, and I think he was on parole and was in another state and got accused of something wrongly, um, but it was going to break his parole. He was going to go to jail for who knows how long, right? Again, we all make mistakes. Sometimes we're guilty of those, and, and there's some just punishment. This, this guy was unjustly um, had his parole revoked, and he went to jail. And uh, he was, he was, it looked like he was just going to go to serve his term, whatever that was, years. And my friend fasted for him and prayed for 32 days, uh-huh. water only. There was no way. I mean, as, as, as I remember, there was no way that this guy was going to get out of it. No way that there was going to be true justice. After 32 days, inexplicably, he was exonerated and released. Miracles do happen. Miracles do happen. They happen every day. And God wants us to participate in those miracles. He doesn't need us. He wants us to participate in his, in his work here on earth. Well, you know, the big talk today, in fact, across all Christianity, is evangelization. As you know, we're trying to hang on to people and bring them to Jesus and so forth. And it seems to me that uh, people will be much more interested in their faith life when they can see some results. Mm. With most prayers and so forth, you can't see any results. You know, we pray for world peace. Well, that's, <laughs> that's going to go on and on for, for a long, long, long time. Yeah. Or you want your little nephew to, or grandson to change or something. Mm -hmm. But when we're fasting, stuff starts to happen. Yes. It's a, it's a lot more like you mentioned that that uh, story in, in the prison, and well I don't know maybe there's, there's a priest story it was told to me happened probably in the twenties or thirties mm. in Ireland, and what do you think we have time for this? Yeah, we got plenty of time, Father. All right. Yeah. Well, there was a, a widow with her daughter in a small town in Ireland, outside of Dublin. And she did the best she could to raise her daughter up, be a good 
God-fearing Christian and a good Catholic. The years went by, and finally the daughter was ready to move out of the house. So she moved to Dublin to get a job, and she um, was there not really too long, maybe two weeks or so. And, and when she came home, she'd visit every week on the bus. She was just beaming one day. She walked into the house, and she said, Mama, Mom, it's so wonderful. I met this terrific man, and he just loves me dearly, wants to marry me, and I want to marry him, and it's all so wonderful. And they talked about the wonderful man in all the different respects. And then towards the end, the mother said, and to where will you be a marrying him? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, mother, he's not very comfortable with things Catholic, so we're going to get married in his church. And the mother said, oh, I, I see, I see. So they finished the visit, and the, the daughter went back to uh, Dublin. The next visit, two weeks later, the daughter was back, and she exclaimed at the difference in her mother. She says, oh, mother, says, you look terrific. I see you've been dieting. You've lost some weight and everything, and the clothes are fitting better and everything. That's wonderful, and I really want to support you with your decision to, to diet. And the mother just kind of smiled and kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit. They had a nice visit. And uh, the next week, it was a little bit more of that. And this went on, you can imagine, say about three months later. Right. And the daughter remarked, you know, mother, you've lost a great deal of weight and so forth. And the mother didn't really, she didn't really answer. She didn't really say anything. She kind of smiled and mumbled something. And, and the daughter said, well, I, I think you've lost enough weight. I think you could stop now. And the mother didn't really answer. And this whole thing is very mysterious. The daughter left perplexed. If you can imagine, maybe two more months. And the daughter returned for a visit. And the mother's appearance alarmed her. He said, Mother, you have been fasting enough. Uh, you're starting to look very, very thin. Your clothes don't even look good on you. You need to stop this. And the mother just silently shook her head from left to right, indicating no. Well, now the daughter was engaged. She said, but mother, this isn't good for you. I'm your daughter. I care about you. This doesn't make sense to me. Why are you doing this? Mm. There you go. And the mother said, because you are committing a serious sin, you're not going to get married through the church that Jesus Christ established. I'm your mother. God uh, gave you to me to help you get to heaven. I'm responsible to see you to heaven. So, but mother, he said, no. He says, you can do whatever you want to do. But I'm going to do what I want to do, and I will fast until you return to the church or I die. Wow. And I found out this, the, the, leave it to the Irish. <laughs> they would do this. Well, I'm a chaplain for the ancient order of the Hibernians, uh -huh. but there's such a thing in Irish culture called the black fast. Oh, I don't, what, what is the black fast? Well, it's a real serious fast. And frequently is when, let's say, uh, a, um, an employer cheated the employees out of the, the money. Right. They might go to a fast. They'd stand in front of the, the gates to the estate or whatever. Right. And be destroyed about 24 hours a day. They'd look terrible. They end up bringing shame upon that house, uh -huh. upon the homeowner. Right. People, yeah. what's that guy doing standing out there? They have to explain the whole story. One thing's right. crazy. Is it's not just. The, the owner will finally uh, give him a, just get out of here. Here's your money. Just go. Hmm. But the fast is what would do it. Right. 
Yeah. All right. Well, in this case, back to the to the daughter. If you think about it, this is what we should be feeling when we look at the crucifix. The mother is willing to sacrifice everything for the daughter. This broke through. This broke through. She um, started to cry, and she hugged her mother, and they had some talk what mothers and daughters do, and she promised she'd turn things around, and off she went. And probably got married in both, both churches. But the idea was, Arguing with the daughter would not have worked. Wouldn't done a, a thing. Drove her away, probably. Also, why was the fasting such a powerful, if I can use the word, witness? When you see someone who loves you so much, they're willing to suffer for you that much, it's hard to resist it. Mm-hmm. We should be having that experience when we look at a crucifix. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jesus loved me that much. He's willing to die for me. Well, kind of turning it back around to our, our topic, yeah. we can tie into that. With, uh, with fasting. We participate in that. We're, we're joined to Jesus at baptism, as you know, but we uh, share in what he's doing and participate with him, and we get to share in his glory if we do this too. Yeah, yeah. And again, our, our Lord wants us to participate. I think it's Colossians 1.24, where Paul says, I rejoice in the suffering of my body because it for you, the church, because it makes up what's lacking in Christ. There's nothing lacking in Christ, but Christ saved a little bit so we could participate in his cross. Thank you. That's a Bible verse Yeah, for it. Yeah. And let's see, ah, a couple things. With this one fast, one day fast or one meal fast, the, uh, the uh, uh, say, what kind of attractive feature is it's, you don't make a promise to do it forever and ever. It's, it's like one day at a time. Will right. I do it? Will I do it right now for this meal? And also, what I learned, we've kind of forgotten this. Every Sunday is a little Easter. A little one, yeah. Well, we don't fast on Easter. It's the Easter feast. Okay. And we got kind of sloppy, I think, maybe in the, the Roman Catholic Church, but we shouldn't be doing fasting or other penances on, on Sunday. Really? Every Sunday is a little Easter, a time of rejoicing and that sort of thing. So no fasting on, on Sunday. Or holy days. You know that's why the church had holy days. For the feast. Because the feudal landlords would work the serfs to death. Oh, wow. And they only had Sunday off. So the church inserted all these feast days and no, no working on a feast day, no plowing the field, <laughs> none of that stuff. And so a feast day really was something to which you would look forward. Oh, it's I a bet. wonderful thing. Well, one thing with the fasting, I really appreciate food. Right. I don't take it for granted. Uh, side benefit uh, run into when someone's taking up a collection for hungry people, yes. I'm a real soft touch. Oh, I bet. Because I thought, I hate fasting. I can't imagine these people don't eat for two or three days. And it, they're trying to hold a job, that sort of thing. It's really, really, really hard suffering. So I got a lot more compassion. So is this part of why we do fasting, get closer to, to God? I think it is. I think it is. Well, it, it makes us think about what we're doing, right? And our Lord said to do it. He did not only tell us to do it, he actually did do it. He did it. Yes, he did. So we are here in studio with Father John Paul Hopping, as he says, like the bunny. 
<laughs> and we are talking about fasting, which we all should do. There's a lot of good reasons to fast. The, the most important one, of course, is to get us closer to Christ, to become more in union with his will. And look, we're his children. We can ask for anything. Why? Because we're his children. And he's also saved some of the suffering, if you will, for us to participate in him. He's come. He's the great mediator. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record-keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri, including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, Go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Joseph Radio presents Coming to You Live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host today, Peter Karutz, and we're in studio with Father John Paul Hopping, from St. Charles Borromeo Parish. And let me just uh, mention something. We just missed Father uh, giving a talk over at St. Angela Marisi. Uh, the age, let's see, with age comes wisdom. Does it, Father? Maybe. Maybe. Well, you <laughs> missed it, but I think it's recorded. And if you call us after the program, you can get a copy of it. 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. Give us a call. And you know what? You can ask for a copy of any of the programs we've done. And remember, we're also up on YouTube. The, the camera's going. Well, we'll wave to the camera. Uh, in, Oops, sorry. That's all right. And uh, on the 12th, we have a talk by Father, Ke not Father, sorry, Dr. Kenneth Howell. And the topic is Catholic Consolidations for Troubled Time. Wow. So we, we and at St. Angela Marisi on Fridays during Lent, we have a speaker every Friday, and it's at 7 p.m. right after Stations of the Cross. Uh, Father Jer uh, Jeremy uh, Paulin, is that it? Father Jeremy Paulin, and then Father yes. Anthony uh, Gerber? Gerber. Yeah. Oh, wow. So great <laughs> talks coming up every Friday. Don't forget about it. Uh, it'll be great to do. You know, Father, when I was in college, just talking about uh, fasting a little more. When I was in college, 
I went to Loyola in Chicago, so the Jesuits did something good, I guess. But we, we had what we called the three-day fast during Lent, and you would go without food for three days. Only You could only have water. And I did it a number of times. And I'll tell you this, the first day, you know, progressing through the day, I was hungry. Day two, you know, if I was driving, I could eat the dashboard, you know. But by the end of day two, I stopped being hungry. And by day three, I wasn't hungry at all. It was, it was very odd. And what we were supposed to do is take the money that we would have um, spent on food and we give it to the poor, right? Uh, so it was kind of a combination of the two of the things you should do during Lent. One, you're fasting, and two, you're giving alms. So I don't know if we encourage people today, this is a long time ago, to go three days without food, uh, but our Lord did it for a good long time. Yeah, so it, it, it can be good. Also, also there are, uh, I hate to get into the secular world, but there are, uh, there's actually a uh, PhD Doc, a professor and doctor at Washington University, and he suggests that fasting can actually recode some of your cells. So there is huge, at least he has a theory, mm-hmm. he's done 32 different human studies, and he says that there is a great health benefit to fasting. So what? God wants good for us, right? So we may be suffering a little bit, but he wants good for us. He wants good for us. Well, in fact, speaking of that, that it gives the body time to uh, get rid of a lot of uh, products of, uh, of uh, digestion and so forth that aren't real, real good. I did see a family one time that would do a juice fast one day a week, and it was kind of eerie. They're, they sort of glowed with health as a mother and the children and that mm. sort of thing. So a lot of benefits to it. But what we're doing, though, is looking at uh, well, spiritual results. And also what I'm trying to plug for us is when we've got a real situation and, frankly, we need a miracle, Yeah, fasting. That's fasting. how Jesus did it. Yeah. And if I could just uh, maybe uh, go on of examples of small things. Yeah. See, my idea is yours is sort of three days. That's, that's for really mature people. And uh, most of us can't get up to that. We, we don't even start crawling, but we, we can't get up and run. Right. So I'm suggesting little tiny ways we can get started on it. Then also, uh, people with um, diabetes. Oh, sure, they can't do that. And right. uh, hypoglycemia. Right. It drive them nuts. But still, we can change something in our diet. We've got the favorite, whatever it is. We can delay eating that till the next day or the next meal, eat something in its place, and it still will, will be a benefit uh, I'm just, and, and fasting is a sort of it is a type of prayer. It's an enhanced prayer, and and our Lord listens to us, right? And and let me I'll take another step at this. Uh, Father, um, not Father, I call him Father because he was my pastor forever. But Bishop Herman mm-hmm. talks about the efficaciousness of prayer when you are praying for someone else. In other words, you can get angry at someone, you cannot forgive them, right? Mm-hmm. But, but when you pray for someone. Fast for someone. What what happens there is maybe the devil is the spirit of evil is is a uh, is taken out of the the relationship, right? Dispelled, right? Yes. So this I remember this story you were telling about the man who just would not think about even becoming Catholic because he's an atheist, right? There's there's the evil one involved in that, right? 
and 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 you want to take his power away. He doesn't have any power unless we give it to him. But the fasting and the prayer took it away, took away his power. He has no power, but God wants us to, to ask for things. Absolutely, all these things. So for, for most of us out there, I say, well, I hate fasting and no, we don't want to do it. I suggest these things as a way to just get started. Mm-hmm. And for example, well, I, I told you about the pie. Yeah. Absolutely. But let's say for the rest of us, I uh, ask coffee drinkers and say, well, how do you take your coffee? Whatever they say, I've got some for them. And I say, well, you know, c- cream and sugar. Yeah. All right. Well, next time, leave out the sugar. Yeah. But I like the sugar. That that's a sacrifice. That's right. The next time, have the sugar, but leave out the cream. And then one person said, "I just take my coffee black. So what are you going to do about no that? coffee? <laughs> said, then put cream in it. Oh, oh, really? Well, I don't like cream. There you go. That's a sacrifice. <laughs> it's not exactly about calories. It's about the sacrifice mm-hmm. and have the stomach involved. And I don't want to. I don't want to take you away from this because we have been concentrating on the stomach. But um, very often people will talk about fasting from things as well uh, as a sacrifice. You know, fasting from Facebook or fasting from uh, uh, you know going to the golf course or fasting from all kinds of things. It's not quite the same, but it's something. It's a good discipline sort of thing, but I never saw Jesus do that. Yeah, he didn't fast from no, Facebook. What you I mean absolutely is, right. You remember, the thing is, we've got a real situation. We need a miracle. Fasting. Yeah. How did Jesus do it? So uh, if, if a person did all the above, that'd be the best. Right, right, right. But I say a warning to people. Say, well, I just won't fast. So I'll, I'll, like you said, give up Facebook. So, Good luck. You're going to need it. <laughs> there you go. I don't think you're going to get much result from yeah. that. Well, I'm encouraged. You know, if, if you're ever thinking about fasting, please do it. It is Lent. It's what we're supposed to do during Lent. We're supposed to fast, pray, and give alms. It'll get you started. It'll uh-huh. get you started. And as Father said, even the start is good. Some, I, which, I forget which theologian, not, I, it was either Aquinas or Augustine, said, God sometimes... Uh, is more pleased with our desire to do good than when we actually do good. But so, so just know that when you are resolving to do it, God is already involved in it. If you're deciding to do it, if you have the desire to do it, uh, in the inclination, you have pleased God, and he's going to help you take that next step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. So I don't know if we have any more on fasting, but I didn't want to—I want to save at least a little bit of time because we did tell folks we were going to talk about Fatima— and Islam. Do we have any more on fasting, or do we want to move to Fatima and Islam? That's enough for today. Okay, how about some Fatima and Islam? And you don't think of those two things in the same sentence, usually. Well, we'll see how much we can get through. Okay. This is not a real obvious thing, but, but uh, you know, we think about it, uh, when these Marian visits, or Marian apparitions, the really, really uh, important one for our time is Fatima, because it had to do with uh, warning about the Second World War mm-hmm. and thereafter, which all happened. If people don't change, there's going to be another war. And you know what the sign was? Uh, no. He said, people don't pray. This is 1917. They're just finishing up World War I, which is bad enough. If people don't change and stop offending the Father, this war will be followed by another worse war. And as we know, 1939... Hitler marched into Poland, and we're off to the races with uh, World War II. 
But she said, if it's going to come, there will be a night illuminated by a strange light. Did you ever hear about this? No, 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 I haven't. Really? No. Well, my mother saw it. It's in the newspapers. You have to go back. It's 1939. I don't remember the exact date. But my mother grew up on a farm in Colorado. Uh, she and her mother and my, my uncle were out hoeing beans in the, in the fields. And the sun was going down. And they saw what I would describe, this is just my own take on it, as sort of an aurora borealis. Right. Except it was not really an aurora borealis. You don't see an aurora borealis at a lower latitude. No, not in Colorado you don't. Canada, Alaska, that sort of thing, Arctic Circle. But it was down at that latitude, Colorado. And have you ever seen an aurora borealis? Uh, Just in pictures. What colors did you see? It's like a bluish purple. There's all different colors and so forth. That's not what they saw. Uh, I said, well, Mom, what did it look like? She said, it looked like a curtain of blood. Oh, wow. It was red. She she said, there were little green streaks in it, but it was almost all red. My grandmother, who had a sixth grade education, not very, but she was very prayerful, always prayed the rosary. I, I sometimes think it's grace. They, they got kind of an instinct. So she said to them, oh, let's go home. We're going to pray the rosary. Something terrible is going to happen. And that was 1939. Is that right? And was this scene uh, in, only in, it was confined to Colorado? No. I believe, I think I've seen it in the newspaper. It was either like New York Times, some other. It just said, you know, the public notice there are strange lights in the sky and blah, 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 blah. And, went on with it, and the stock market was up or down today, whatever. But um, it was mentioned in several newspapers. Well, that's something I'm going to look up. I had never heard that. So that was part of the prophecy of Fatima. Being fulfilled. Wow. Well, Uh we better listen. So it's important. Okay, next question. Hmm. So why is it in that little tiny town? Well, the Blessed Mother seems to like to get away from the city and the hubbub, and she wants people who have pure hearts and are willing to listen like children. So Fatima's good that way. But Fatima, Fatima, the name Fatima is no accident. Hmm. It's Muhammad's daughter. Right. We had, I think, several children, but I believe she was his favorite daughter. And why would the Blessed Mother appear there? Well, going backwards, all the way back, Christianity came to the Iberian Peninsula, that is Spain, Portugal, future right. uh, Portugal, in uh, the uh, early hundreds, and they're going along, going along, and then we have Muhammad, birth of Islam, and it starts to spread at sword point rapidly across North Africa, and I believe it got to uh, Spain in the in the seven hundreds, and they're pretty much uh, pushed back just for a couple little pockets along the Pyrenees Mountains that separate Spain from from France. And there they were. So what was it like? Well, it was no fun if you were were a Christian. Oh, yeah, right. So just kind of in general, the the Christians were dispossessed of their land. The Muslim uh, Moors came in, took everything over, so it would be working on their property, that, that sort of thing. Uh, for them, and the the faith was discouraged, and or 
maybe you could go to church, but you had to pay a tax. The a dummy real, tax. A real heavy tax. Yeah. And there's another... Well, anyway, it, it, you get the idea. It's pretty miserable. And so there in the north, they uh, started to fight back. And this is called... Um, well, it's better just to say it in Spanish, the Reconquista. Reconquista. The Reconquest. Ah. And it took them from like the 700s up to Ferdinand and Isabella and Columbus, 1492. 700, 800 years. Wow. Of constant warfare to slowly drive them back. And in the midst of that, there was a real charismatic hero we had, I forget, his name was Rogelio something, but everyone called him El Cid. El Cid, okay. El Cid, you heard yeah. of it. Oh, and yeah, And yeah. there was a movie a long time ago right. and so forth. I think it was Charlton Heston. Yeah, 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 it yeah, was. yeah. And it, that's historic. Yeah. Uh, so you have El Cid, and they, they fight that back. Finally, they uh, had it all boxed in at Granada, the southern end of uh, Spain. Ferdinand and Isabella were combining their... Um, their kingdoms together, and they, well, combined, they married each other. Right. And they did a, I think, something like a three-day retreat, and they prayed and everything, because this last battle would be very, very bloody right. on both sides. They prayed and prayed and negotiated withdrawal. They parleyed, and the Muslims agreed to abandon Granada, go back to North Africa. Nobody got killed with that. So uh, there they were. But those hundreds of years of uh, Moorish presence did leave a mark on Spain. On the, in the Spanish, in fact, the word ale, E-L, I believe is Arabic. And can you hear the word for God in this? If something happens or you're looking at it with, and you want things to get better, and you might say, ojalá. Ojalá, yeah. Would to God... That this oh, gets better. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, Allah. Ojalá. Yeah. Ojalá. Ojalá. Acts on the last syllable. Yeah. It, it's pure Arabic. Wow. Yeah. And there's other Arabic words in, in there, too. So that's there. So we're not surprised that there's a town named uh, Fatima. Fatima. Well, I was, but. <laughs> so why would the Blessed Mother appear there? And we're going to find out in just a second. But this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, I'm your host, Peter Grutz, and this is Father John Paul Hopping from St. Charles Borromeo Parish. And we are talking, we talked about fasting, we're talking about Fatima and Islam. And now, why in the world do we call Fatima Fatima? Well, it was named after uh, Muhammad's daughter, but years and years ago, Archbishop Sheen said that Our Lady of Fatima would be very, very important in the conversion of Muslims. Mm. He didn't explain anything more than that, but I'm inclined to believe him because what are the odds that the Blessed Mother would appear in a place with that name? We know she's not doing anything by accident. Absolutely. So it's there. And I want to kind of put a positive spin on this. Uh, the good Lord wants everybody to get all the graces that he won for us on the cross. Everybody. Everybody, right. Sometimes there's, there's sort of a club mentality where well, we're set and we don't really care about anybody. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the, what Jesus wanted. He wants everybody to get the assurance of uh, salvation 
through his death, suffering, death, and resurrection on the cross. And also, I, I worked with, uh, well, we introduced a couple of Arab families years ago when I worked in the hospital, and they were uh, Melkite Catholics. Oh, okay. And they're some of the most wonderful people I've ever met in the whole world. And I thought, huh. Huh, because I had sort of a negative impression of Arabs from my television. It's an American thing. No, 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 no. Wonderful people, wonderful, God's children just like you and I. I thought, well, that's the difference. It's the faith. It's the faith. We need the peace of Jesus Christ in our hearts. And that's for everybody. Yeah. And I, I sometimes will hear people talking, oh, we ought to just nuke that country. Like, no, 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 no. All those good people there? No, that's not what God wants. He doesn't want people nuked, and he doesn't want bloodshed and war and things like that. No, no, no. Wants goodness and happiness for prosperity, happy, healthy kids everywhere. That's what Jesus wants. And I believe we're going to see that. I don't know when it happens exactly, but... But we're moving in that direction in some ways. You know, like you're saying, the, the Islam is... Um, well, you know, there's some things that are mutually exclusive between Islam and Christianity. You know, let's just be upfront. But having said that, who visits Ephesus? The Muslims visit them as much as we do, and if not more, they have a great love and respect and veneration for Mary. Yes, right? they, it's a common element, and and there you go. Fatima, Our Lady went to Fatima. The, the uh, Islam has a great admiration and veneration for Mary. Here, here's that combination that you're talking about, Father. It's, it's not a coincidence. It was absolutely done in, on purpose. And I, I think as, as Islam may move forward and continue to think and pray and maybe fast, they're going to see that. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe that his birth was foretold. They, they believe that um, you know he is the Messiah. They don't believe well, in some of the other things. They don't believe that he he's rose a from the dead. He's a prophet. He he's is, a prophet. And she's a mother of the prophet. Mother of the prophet, right. The greatest prophet, except for Muhammad. But was Muhammad's birth foretold? No. Was Muhammad born of a virgin? No. Jesus was. And this is not something that's uh, uh, adversarial. We Muslims and Catholics believe that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth. They do, too. They believe that she was the mother of the prophet who was foretold. We do, too. So, you know, it is, as you said, our Lord wants everyone to come back to his, uh, to the faith and to have a share in his great love. Muslims, too. And then we'll have a lot more peace. We'll have a lot more peace. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of fasting, yeah, Muslims, Ramadan, yeah. they fast all day till all sundown. Day. That's right. And so forth. And I believe it does strengthen the community. Something oh, no about doubt. Doing it together. Yeah. Well, we should do that too. We're Christians. We're supposed to. It's in the Bible. Jesus does it. So we want to do that. Uh, just. I was going to ask you, I don't want to run out of time, but uh, I uh, had accused Father of having a motto. I was reading a little bit about him. And at the bottom of this bi- biography of Father, it's, uh, there was a little motto, um, maybe, and it said, uh, Viva Cristo Rey, um, y, what was it? y la Virgen de Guadalupe. Now, you put those two together, and I got to tell you, when you said Viva Cristo Rey, I, I kind of thought about one of my favorite saints. Um, and, Father, do you, do you uh, say Mass in Spanish? Yes. 
over at uh, St. Charles Borromeo? St. Charles Borromeo, yes. At, uh, well, during COVID-19, it's at uh, 12 noon. 12 Sundays. You know, when I'm in a Hispanic country, if I'm in South America or Mexico or especially Spain, uh, mass tends to be rather late at night. It's part of our culture, I guess. Um, I'm from Spanish heritage. And uh, do, do you have a late mass in Spanish or is it only the noon mass? Or maybe it's because of COVID. Just the, the noon mass. Yeah. Now, well, you know why the masses are late? Because we eat very late, I think. I mean, Spain? Yeah. Because it's so darn hot in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So it's in the morning and late afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would encourage you to, to uh, participate in that. You know, I've, I've been to mass in, in I don't know how many different languages, uh, in, mostly in Spanish, I guess, but in uh, Korean, in Polish, um, in Italian, in Latin, English, of course. But to participate in a Mass in a different language, for me, Father, is, is, uh, reminds me of the universality of the Church. I don't speak Polish, but I knew absolutely everything that was going on in the Mass, and I fully participated. But I thought about it a little bit more, right? If I pray the rosary in Spanish, it's not my first language, I think about it more purposefully. So if mm-hmm. I could, I'll invite folks to come and, and go to Mass in Spanish. Well, if you're up to it, attend a Mass in Vietnamese. Okay, I haven't done that yet. You got one. And not so much for the language, but the piety of the people, awesome. Where can we attend Mass in Vietnamese? We have some here... Um, Kind of, uh, what is it, uh, South St. Louis? South St. Louis, yeah. Have to look around. Yeah. In uh, Korean, you can go to St. Andrew Kim. Uh, mm-hmm, they have mm-hmm. mass in Korean. But uh, the Vietnamese, well, it's almost like pigtailing, uh, uh, piggybacking on and talking about Spain. Uh, they've had to sacrifice so hard to hang on to their faith. They really take it seriously. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. The kids, and so the, the the piety at Mass is inspiring. And there's it's a great, awesome. There's a great pilgrimage. I don't know if it happened this year, but I, I think there's a great pilgrimage every August, maybe, in mm-hmm. Carthage, Missouri, for, yes. the ver- the, for the Vietnamese. And it's, as you say, the piety is, is, is unbelievable. The faith is very strong. I would, you know, before I realized what went on in Carthage, I would have never thought that. But I don't even know who brought the faith to, to Vietnam. Oh, no, I knew we were out of time here. Father, thank you so much. We Our hour has flown by. We've talked about fasting. The message is do it. Do it a little. Do it a lot. But do it. And a little bit about Fatima and Islam. Father, we have a, a half a minute or so. Could we ask for your blessing on our listeners? Lord, we give you thanks for all of our listeners. We thank you for our wonderful history, which inspires us in all different languages, all different peoples. Lord, help us to come together as your children through Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, Father, thank you. Come back and see us at at the same time, noon, Saturday. And if you would, fast, pray, study about Fatima, and how about inviting a friend to come to? Skip lunch, fast, and come listen to our program. Tell a friend. God bless you all. Amen. Amen.